Hey yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music is on the air and in your ear once again. I'm Martin and I have with me uh, the King of the Cast. And you know, Brett, I'm always talking about how you are not uh, lovely or talented. Our guest today is. That's right. We oh. like to have lovely and talented guests on the show. <laughs> It it, it it really brings up the uh, the kind of the tone of the show. Ultimately, that's yeah, that's always great. somebody needs to be talented doing this. <laughs> so thankfully today, you know, I am super happy because because we have Holly West on the show. She is from Dead Groove, and we are here to talk about well, Into Infinity, and of course the the album. So Holly, how are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Wonderful, wonderful, Good. fantastic to talk to you. I mean, it's a it's a great album. So, you know, Into Infinity is the is the new so- single. You've put out three singles so far. So, uh, you know, first let's let's just talk about you know let's just talk about how you came together and how Dead Groove like made an album. Yeah, yeah, it's actually kind of an interesting story because um, we're in two different uh, countries. Uh, Fred and Caesar are both from Peru, and I'm from here. Uh, Fred lives here, and um, Caesar's still in Peru. So uh, we put this together kind of over the internet because that's the new way of doing things. <laughs> so um, we started just doing demos back and forth. Um, I had written Maverick as like an acoustic blues song. Um, right before I moved here from Dallas uh, in 2019 and <clears throat> didn't really do much with it. It was just kind of an acoustic song that I performed. And um, uh, Fred wanted to work with Caesar um, again. They, they had a band in, in Peru called Mauser that was pretty popular and they opened up a lot of big, big bands down there. Um, and so since moving here, Mauser's still going, but Caesar kind of um, hit like a, a rough spot with his playing and, and like a plateau where he just didn't really want to go on anymore. So we talked him into, you know, trying one last time, like trying to make something that he really, really wants to. And um, yeah, we, we started uh, with Maverick and then that worked, went really well. So we did the dead. Um, and then after the demos were done, we went, Fred and I went to Peru. We went to Lima. Had a bit of a like two week, uh, vacation but also in that time we uh we recorded the two songs and then we put those out when you know after, right after we got back and then we had videos for them as well and just kind of try to do our own little pr about it and, and push it um and it did really well and so we got picked up by a record label and they helped us um pay to go back down and, and finish the record so now we have 10 songs on, on the record and um, so we we had pushed those other two songs way before we even did the record, and then so now we're doing some uh, trying to push these other songs to see, you know, what hits because we're a new band, so we kind of want to see what do you guys think about us? Do you guys like us? You know, we have some fans out there. Can we continue, you know. Well, and there's no question. I mean, like I hope that Caesar's you know into Dead Group because his playing is spectacular. It is great, right? He's he's got some very memorable solos, uh, great riffs, uh, and he's also you know, he's a vocal coach on the Voice Peru and all these big like uh, vocal uh, TV shows down there. So he's actually helped me a lot with my vocals, and I mean, almost killed me in the booth, but 
I think the, <laughs> the outcome was good. You know, I think that we produced some pretty good tracks. And um, I'm definitely a stronger vocalist because of him. And um, yeah, the band, we don't even speak the same language, but it's really cool that, you know, the music is the language. It's, it's nice. Yeah, How does that work when you don't speak the same language? That's very interesting. Yeah, How does that but, work? How do you communicate and write songs? Fred's the liaison between that. <laughs> so okay. Fred's bilingual. Uh, he speaks Spanish and English. Uh, Caesar is about as good with English as I am with Spanish, you know, so uh, <laughs> not very good. <laughs> um, and so it's definitely a lot of pressure on Fred to be our, uh, our you know, wingman in our conversations. But um, I kind of had the idea with at the beginning of this record to let them work on the music mainly, you know, because uh, I was already going to be writing the lyrics and the melodies. So I wanted them to uh, really express themselves and, and, and get a really good idea of what they really wanted the sound to be like. I mean, I already knew, we'd already discussed it. Obviously, everything had to go through me too, but... Um, Everything that Caesar gave us is on the record. I, mean, I don't think there's one song that didn't make it to the record. Um, he's just the the ideas that him and Fred come up with are just amazing. I, I feel. Well, and it's and it's an interesting thing too. I mean, when you when you consider, I guess when you're writing the lyrics, like, do you think about them and their playing, or do you just kind of go in with with a general idea and then and then let them go? Um, it's usually the music first. I like to write on top of whatever they're doing. I feel like I'm more creative that way when I have, you know, a beat and a thing. Because that's how I write any of my songs. I, you know, I might have a melody in my head, but I still have to make some kind of rhythmic, uh, you know, uh, uh, blueprint. And so um, I'm the, I am definitely a songwriter. Like I can hear a beat and, and make a tune, you know, I, I, it just comes naturally to me. So I feel like my um, talent really shines when I can hear, when I can like play my my own, what comes out naturally off of what they're doing naturally too. So I try not to get in the way too much of that. I might have more to do with the music uh, this next next record. Um, you know, just depends. Uh, I mean, I did when I wrote Maverick. It was just a blues song, so I just told I told uh, Caesar like just keep it you know blues style, but make it riffy. You know. And so he did this, that. So we all work really well together, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I, I just it just has always come naturally for me to work that way. And this this is the first time on this podcast that you're you're meeting Brett, and yet you wrote a song about him, "Bad Friend." Oh. <laughs> uh, <Aww. laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would almost make me cry if I cared. <laughs> what, what? what kind of coincidence is that? How did you pull that off? I mean, you know? <laughs> That's funny, yeah. Yeah, that that um that particular track is 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 a fun one. I when I'd heard the riff, I kept hearing bad over and over in my my head. For some reason bad something, bad something. And um a friend of mine I was going through uh a, a, a a time in her life where this girl or this person was trying to get back in touch with with her and she was just a bad friend. She's like, I don't think I can I can talk to her. She's just a bad friend. I'm like, that's it, that's it, bad friend. So 
I, I didn't, you know, base the song off of her relationship with this girl, but it did inspire me to go, yeah, this is exactly what I want the song to be about. Oh, and then you wrote one about Martin, oh, the devil. Song. Oh, the devil? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I love, love playing on words. Um, the devil, yeah, the devil is, is, is about, you know, evil, you know. I don't really, I'm not uh, religious or anything, so I'm not like, oh, God, or oh, the devil. Um, but in rock and roll, you know, I'm definitely a rock and roller. And so a lot of songs about the devil. So I was like, well, that's a good, you know, way to talk about evil. And, um, you know, the repercussions that come with, you know, signing away from the devil. Can't get away from them. <laughs> I feel the same way about you, Martin. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I was trying to think of anything. I thought, no, I won't pick on him anymore. That would be <laughs> the other way around. Uh, no, you know. we're, we're not here to talk about us. <laughs> we are not here to talk about us. Really, the, the, yeah, no, the, the, uh, the, the listeners love it when we ignore the guests. Uh, <laughs> but they do. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's our vaudeville act, yeah. Yeah. I see. I see. <laughs> but no, no, so so tell us then, you know, after afterwards, like, I mean, you talked about Caesar being hard on you with the with your vocals. Like, how then? How hard on you with the bass lines and stuff like that? Well, um, yeah, I mean, he wrote it. He wrote the the, the lines, and um, I think he, uh, you know, we all got a little bit of understanding of you know what I'm gonna what's going to be expected of me singing and playing bass at the same time, you know? Um, if you listen to anybody that, that does front a band with, with bass, a lot of times there's times where they just kind of pull out of what it, and they focus on the singing. I mean, guitar players too, you know? Um, so there's, there's definitely different dynamics that we have to uh, make sure they're to make it easy on me. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, you know, we're not trying to replicate Rush or anything. It's, it's, it's rock and roll, um, you know. <laughs> we're like, we're like, uh, like, uh, like Motorhead or something. <laughs> Black Sabbath. <laughs> you could do worse. You're there to kick our ass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, it's not that he's like super hard on on anybody. It's just, um, you know, very professional. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, he's one of him and his brother his brother's the one that engineered our record and him is him and his brother are known as the brothers in lima peru for recording your record and for getting it done right so um you know i think they're just as hard as you know any team would be to get a record done right with your name on it for sure so what's it like then recording in lima versus say recording in the states very very different <laughs> I was, uh, I don't remember who I was talking to, but I was, it was basically like, like, oh, actually, Caesar just did a, um, a TV uh, interview with like, a big a TV station in Lima. And Fred was telling me it, it was around the same area that we practiced drums. And so I think I was on an interview uh, like yesterday, and they were asking me if there's anything in Peru, like did anything in Peru seep into the record? And I said, yeah, the chicken, there's a rooster growing and the drum tracks and I think they left it in somewhere. <laughs> but you it's it's insane. You go down this, you know, this road and 
I mean, it's it's like any, I guess, third world place. Well, California too. I mean, you go anywhere. Just like I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of people on the streets selling, you know, different foods and stuff. But in, in Lima and probably in like China and stuff, you know, you go down these roads, and then all of a sudden you're trying to get through a road. And there's people walking and everything, and you look over and there's a lady just chopping dead chickens. There's flies all over. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy for us. You know, for people who don't really typically go through that. But I've traveled a lot, so I mean, it's not like surprising, but it's definitely different culturally. Um, it's definitely cheaper. <laughs> Unfortunately, I mean, I wish it was all the same. I wish we all had the same benefits and stuff. But, um, you know, reporting here is, uh, you know, typically the type of recordings that we want to do are really nice big studios. Um, so this is, you know, these studios are, are good for Lima, for sure. It is. Yeah, that's interesting because I guess I guess you know you don't think about recording elsewhere and and the kind of you know difficulties that it would present, especially in the fact that the quality of the studio may not be what you're used to. Yeah. So in um on our YouTube video, you can, our YouTube channel, you can see uh, we did record uh, Bad Friend the video there. Um, it's a nice studio. It's not where we track everything, but we track um, some live stuff uh, that we're going to be um, uh, putting out later. Um, and then this video from Bad Friend. And um, so that was actually the nicest studio that we recorded at or were at um, the whole time. The whole where did you record the video for Book of the Dead? Uh, that, you know, so <laughs> visually, it, you know, it's, I don't know, it looks. It looks like the dead around you. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, there's nothing like, there. Yeah, yeah. The Book of the Dead is is based off of the Egyptian Book of the Dead, and so we obviously wanted that Egyptian feel. Um, we live in Long Beach, California, so of course we have sand, but we don't have these big, you know, mounds of dirt and rocks. So we decided to go up, um, and I'm 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 still learning my way around California, but this was in like the hills, just past, you know. Um, LA and stuff way up. I, I mean, I got sick like three times going up there. It was awful. But uh, we go up to these like dirt tracks. Uh, I guess they have like dirt tracks out there for people to ride and everything. And so we asked the guy if we could go and find a little spot to do a video. And they said that we couldn't. So we looked across the street and there's this big rock quarry. And so we went over there and knocked on all of the. Um, the trailers and nobody was there, so we just decided to go in gorilla style and. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's rock and roll. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so we um, we set up uh, Fred's drum kit in the middle of all these rock uh, pyramids, right? And the great thing is that if you walked just past them, you couldn't hear his drums because all the rocks oh. absorbing the sound. So I'm like, we're not going to get caught. This is going to be. And so I set up on the other side, he set up on this side, and we had a drone and everything. It was just me, him, and, and our camera guy. Uh, we did it in a, just a couple hours, the sun was setting, and then got out of there. <laughs> and then Caesar, because he's in, in Peru, uh, Maverick and the Book of the Dead, are, we, we record them in two different places, obviously. He's in Peru, we're here. So um, he's recording at places that, you know, we give him kind of the style and what we're, we're looking for, give him like, you know, little takes of what we've done. And he goes in through and finds kind of the same thing. And so we just edit it together and hope it looks good enough. 
But that's the great thing about videos nowadays, right? I mean, is that you can still make a, a good looking video without without putting in the same kind of, you know, two three hundred thousand dollars that oh you might have put in before. It's ridiculous. Uh, we have uh, our label spent money on a video thousands of dollars and it's still not out because it just was done by the wrong person. You know, it's like you, you can't get that money back. And I hope that's a valuable lesson for people, you know, like you can do anything on your iPhone. You know how many music videos are done on iPhones now? You know, oh, I'm, I'm sure it's tons. Yeah. We did Maverick on the iPhone. <laughs> it's like 4K. It's great. <laughs> um, and right now we're doing a, a, a music video for Into Infinity where we're prompting AI. Oh. It's, it's like a big acid trip. It's amazing. <laughs> You don't even have to be on acid. Just put it on a big screen, turn it up, and just watch. <laughs> it's got that stoner rock vibe. So, yeah, totally. You no, know? yeah. So I mean, I I, I could see that. So yeah, yeah, because that's one of the interesting things. I mean, like Dead Groove. I mean, I mean, it's such a great name for the band because I mean, the grooves are just so heavy and just so there. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't help, but uh, I mean, you know, cause, cause I mean, we've heard a lot of music, we've heard a lot of heavy music and stuff like that, but this, this is like, yeah, the grooves are just right, right up front. Right where you want them. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, you know, we put a lot of planning into this record, you know, um, just the amount of, of back and forth we did between me and Fred and Caesar talking about which records we were be influenced by um we made a uh, a youtube list of songs that we really liked uh that we really wanted the vibe of um you know bands like uh, rival sons um uh dead weather um i love dorothy uh i love her vocals and how she she's done a lot of her stuff um black sabbath Motorhead, you know, those guys, Deep Purple, you know, so we had uh, a lot of different stuff that we really, really liked, and, you know, so we were just, we wanted to be true to, like, a real groove um, and a stoner rock feel, um, but we also just wanted to be rock and roll, you know, we wanted to be able to go out and tour with anybody. So then what are you looking at? I mean, you've got some shows some shows booked like um how how hard slash easy is it to find shows <laughs> as a new band really hard yeah um <clears throat> excuse me uh we've had to do a lot of pr to get people to you know at least listen to the record and tell us their feedback so that's helped a lot uh we're trying to get on playlists and stuff and and um interviews it's just just pushing our name as much as possible because what happens with a venue is if they look at your music, they like the music, but then they have to look at what are you doing for your band too, you know? Are you going to draw? If you're a new band, it's really hard. So we've had to really, really push ourselves and push our name and brand out there um, to be even looked at. And so, and, and we also have um, Mary Gory from Atomic Booking, um, who books for my band, Zepparella, my, my Zeppelin tribute. Um, she's helped us a little bit finding shows that like, can't find one um she'll help uh but for the most part it's a lot of emails and it's a lot of just you know trying to get in touch with people and and uh 
teaming up with other bands helps a lot. We have uh, all these all these uh, tours. We have you know other bands we're going to be playing with, uh, or where the venues are providing you know local support. So then, what it comes down to, like, oh, I was going to ask about working with Zeparella and then working with with Dead Groove. Like, how how what's it like to manage both of those? Um, a lot of Google Calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's um, you know, Fred and I had to sit down and check our schedules because he's in like three touring bands, um, even though I tour more than he does. He's in like, but uh you know we both have to sit down and just make sure that there's at least one weekend that we can work on um so that each month we're, we're busy with the band we have something to you know promote look forward to and keep our brand going for sure yeah one, one. go ahead go no ahead. no no you go you go this Wondering why was the bass your weapon of choice? So to speak? My bass. What was it about the bass? Uh, oh, why was it? Um, well, uh, you know, like probably eighty percent of basses out there, I just got handed the bass and said, "Here, play this." <laughs> um, I I chose vocals as as my beginning instrument when I was when I was young. I was heavily influenced by um, like pop music and classic rock music, um, cheap trick. Uh, Houston, Linda Carlisle, um, uh, Gloria Estefan, you know, so those were those are the bands that I just, I would listen to their tapes over and over and over. And there's, there's um, pictures of me sitting on the couch with, you know, the big hands, just staring at the stereo and listening to Linda Carlisle, seeing heaven is a place on earth over and over. <laughs> and so um, I, I asked my parents for a keyboard my neighbors were selling and I tried and I just didn't get it. And uh, we got a guitar and I tried and I just didn't get it. <clears throat> and then uh, later down the road, I started writing, you know, poetry and, um, well, actually, I really just doing poetry, but like, songs and trying to figure out what, what I could do to, to make music. And uh, I started on uh, my computer with GarageBand, just doing loops and stuff and arrangements. and. A friend of mine said uh, he was looking for a bass player and he could show me how to play bass. He was really interested in playing music. And so we had a show book already <laughs> at House of Blues, main stage. And Ooh. if I wanted the gig, I could have it. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I don't know anything about bass. He's like, yeah, you, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. So I just worked my ass off. I mean, when I, I you shouldn't really believe people when they say they practice more than three hours a day, but. I was I was practicing like three to six hours a day, and um, did my first show. And you know, it took a couple years to like really get into bass, and like cause it, I was frightened every time I went on stage. I was like, I just don't want to mess up, you know. Um, and I only know those those songs that my band made. I couldn't really wrap my head around you know music theory and trying to branch out and stuff until I met um, a girl from Australia. We started a band in Dallas and. That's when I started really writing on the bass, and that's when I really fell in love with it. It's interesting you mentioned Zeparella because, you know, Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page is, you know, one of the greatest ever at his instrument, and John Bonham is probably the best drummer ever. <coughs> yeah. 
John Paul Jones, it doesn't seem like he gets that much love, you know, in the same way as the other members. And, and what was it about him that great that people should recognize? Um, I think he's, and I mean, I don't think I'm too far of saying this, but I think he was the most talented in the band for me. He played multiple instruments, so everyone else pretty much played one or two. Um, I mean, not that they couldn't, but like, if you look at how much he contributed to each of his albums, um, and his his main influence was, uh, 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 I can't think of his name, but James Jamerson, which is a stand-up player, right? His tone comes from stand-up. Everything that he does comes from, you know, that. And so um, the melodies that he puts into these, these, these records, they're, they're, they're amazing. And you don't really get enough appreciation for it until you start playing them <laughs> to realize how, like, how the melodies, like the counterpoint, basically, of the melodies um, that he was able to come up with is just it's, it's great. Um, the riffs that he put together, because you see a lot of bands now that write where both the riffs are together with the bass and the guitars. I mean, Ben Groove has a lot of that, too. Um, John Paul Jones has melodies underneath the melody. And that's what the great example is, melodies stacked on top of each other, right? Uh, it's these amazing masterpieces. Yeah, I mean, that's I, a beautiful, a beautiful, beautifully fun. Because I mean, you know, they're a pretty gosh darn good band. Yeah, yeah it's like, <laughs> and it's like I'm speaking like I'm in a Zeppelin band or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I've, I've not heard it all. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> how how exciting was it to to actually get into a Zeppelin band and then be able to kind of focus on that kind of on on that music? Yeah, it's it's really cool. Um, I, I've always loved that one. When I was, uh, when I was 19, my, my car got broken into and they stole my 300 CDs, my whole collection, and my CD player. And I'm like, well, they're just going to break in and steal the next one. So I went to the pawn shop and got one that I could just remove and put under my seat. And then I was like looking around at the CDs. I'm like, what, what band can I get all their, uh, you know, all of their, their CDs and, and not, first off, not be tired of listening to them. And also they have a big catalog. And I was like, what's up? And so I got every single Zeppelin CD. And that's all I listened to for a while. <laughs> I was afraid if people got in my car that, 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 you know, they would steal something. I'm like, well, Zeppelin CDs are pretty easy to come by. So the cool thing is that it got me used to a lot of their deep tracks and um you know i'd heard all these songs before and a lot of people haven't you know, a lot of people just do with, with radio or uh, some of their you know beat tracks or whatever um and they had a lot of hits obviously so they're pretty familiar with music um so when uh i got well when i got the audition you know or when i was being presented with the, hey you're looking for a bass player um, I had already seen them before I started playing bass. I saw them perform at the Jameson Ball in Dallas. And this band has been around now for almost 20 years. So there weren't very many female bands back then. There weren't very many tribute bands back then. And there sure weren't very many female tribute bands traveling all over the U.S. Like, at all. 
Now it's huge. That's, I mean, it's huge business. But back then, none of this was happening. So I was super impressed. <laughs> and not only that, but they kicked ass. They were awesome. They're really great band. And so when I got the call um, to, to, you know, somebody was like, hey, do you want to be in this band? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is probably going to happen. So um, I went for the audition and uh, they definitely, we, everything was great. And um, I had five weeks to learn like 14 something songs and, you know, so from there. And the thing about tribute bands is you kind of have to learn them, you know, at least note for note or try <laughs> because these, these songs, especially, are embedded in people's memories, you know? Like, can you imagine if I, I didn't play the beginning of Ramble On correctly? You know? <laughs> like, people notice that. <laughs> just, just call it in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we don't call it yeah. your interpretation is what we're looking for yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that's a tribute act for sure yeah you know it's, it's the type of thing we don't think about though as as, as the, the work that goes into it that's the type of thing that we don't think about we think oh you just go out there and you're playing their song and it's like no you're you're recreating as best you can the experience for the people yeah think about lemon song it was done in one take. So I have to try and emulate a one take just jam, blues jam. It's, it's been hard, but the key is just, you know, repetition and listening over and over and just getting to the parts and um, to, you know, being very familiar with the instrument. Mm. You mentioned getting their whole catalog and, and, you know, listening, how that was all you listened to for a while. The, the question, of course, is it's an obvious question. Only get to listen to one, definitely album now for the rest of your life. Which one are you listening to? Mm, yeah. So forth. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was an easier I mean, answer than I thought. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we talk to a lot of Zeppelin fans. It seems to come up, you know, every now and then for some reason. Yeah, but uh, but yes, yes, I think you are the only person who's actually said four so far. So that's uh, that's good. Yeah. But you know what's funny is Zeparella, we're no stairway band, so we don't do any, any stairway. Yeah, that is interesting because I would think on most people, like most people, you know, when they go, probably want stairway. But. Yeah, they, they do, but the problem is that it's so sacred. I mean, that song was just, just a pretty sacred song in rock and roll. <laughs> yeah. We don't. I remember there was one thing, music station, that was only going to play Zeparella. And so they opened up their first day was 24 hours straight from that song, you know? And people didn't get sick of it, because it's just such a great song. Eventually, they had to eventually, you know, add in some other bands, but, uh, you know, just that's the strength of the song. You can play for 24 hours straight, and people can listen. That's why I got their whole catalog. So I'm like, I can just listen to them all day long. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like, then? What's the difference between, between like, the music scene in Dallas and the music scene in, in California? In LA, uh, well, I was kind of uh, really involved in the Dallas music scene. Um, since I, before I was playing bass, I was a, an MC for like, big music festivals and stuff down there. So I've been around the music scene since I was in my teens, basically in Dallas. Um, <clears throat> I come out here. I'm, I'm definitely getting 
um, more familiar with the players. We play at, uh, Fred and I both play at the Ultimate Night, Ultimate Jam Night at the Whiskey. Um, uh, he's you know plays in a band with Tyra Black, who um, does a lot of the, his own jams and stuff. So during the pandemic, we were actually playing with him. So we started getting used. To, we started knowing a lot of the local uh, musicians, and then of course with uh, the Whiskey, we go there quite often, and, and um, the Rainbow. Uh, we get to meet a lot of these these these, uh, these people. Um, in Dallas, you have uh, you know Deep Ellum, which is very very diverse now. I mean, I've seen it go through so many changes in and out, and you know it's 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 every door's a bar to it's desolate. Nobody goes down there. Back to every door's a bar, you know. So um, over the years, there's only been a handful of, of venues that actually even get uh, touring on there um like gada uh it's in it's not there anymore but um trees um we lose somebody looks like it <laughs> um and so here you have i think um you know same little kind of places you know you've got the whiskey and the rainbow you can actually play upstairs and stuff so there, there's still some of that um, I, I feel like just in general, the music seems changing. Um, I did go to Nashville uh, a couple times this last few months. Um, we played there uh, like twice, and I went with Gretchen down to the Strip. Um, but it all just seems like cover bands. You know, it's not really anything original. If they are, I can't really find them that well, you know. Um, so I'm not really sure what's going on with this music and venues right now. So we're, we're still touring, we're playing these places, but I feel like there's only a few places in every big city or little city really to play. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Deep Ellum, I love that neighborhood right now. It's, uh, it's so pretty and, and the food places are awesome, but, uh, it's, it's grown up a lot, <laughs> a whole lot. And it's had to, you know, hold on to it. I feel really, um, in Dallas, it, it's unfortunate um, that you know when you mix the different um, different types of people, like different cultures of people, uh, with the different music, you would hope that they would just bring everybody together. But it, it, for some reason, in Dallas, there's a lot of fighting and there's a lot of um, a lot of really bad things happening in Dallas and Lewis Greenville and uh, Bishop Arts District. Uh, we're not to deter anybody from going down there, but and it's always kind of been that way. But it can be scary. You know, just like downtown LA, downtown San Diego, you know, things just get really scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Society is kind of changing a little bit and or a lot. And it's, and it's, yeah. And, and for live music, I think that's unfortunate because you don't want to get like those things that have, that have nothing to do with music and nothing to do with the enjoyment of somebody, but, but yet can ruin everybody, everybody's yeah. night. So one of the things I do want to talk about when it comes to Dead Groove is is the cover. Like, so Fred did did all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, Fred. Um, so we, we before we uh, had the band, we had um, Dead Groove clothing, and um, Dead Groove clothing is just our designs. Uh, actually, I have like the sweats on right now. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> super cool. Um, but uh, we've, we've designed all of these in-house, so we have this whole company um, based off of his uh, his designs and then I, I'm building stuff. But um, 
Uh, we just started that because he's had a couple of clothing companies before and wanted to start a new one while he was here in the U.S. And so, um, I mean, it's not that that like blew up or anything, but it was something to, fun to do during the pandemic, right? So then when we started doing the uh, band, we decided just to go ahead and name the band, you know, the group as well. Uh, but um, Fred is a, um, a graphic designer, and he's actually working for Cleopatra Records now. He's doing a lot of album art, and um, he just got really good at it. So he did ours, and um, yeah, our record, came, our, 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 our CDs definitely came out great. We're going to be uh, doing some records very soon, too. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, vinyl, of course, is so popular nowadays. So, But I understand it's quite hard to get vinyl made, is it? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is working for Cleopatra is not too hard. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, with, with vinyl, um, it depends on who you go to because they're going to have a couple of different distributors that, um, or, or uh, plants that they work with. Um, the, the difference between vinyls is, you know, you can have cut vinyl, you go to pressed vinyl. Cut vinyl is typically a lot more expensive than uh, pressed vinyl. It also takes a lot more time uh, to develop than a pressed vinyl. Pressed vinyl, you press the machine and it cuts it out and it off, right? Um, or actually, I think it just presses. Yeah, I think they make the, the sheet that just presses down and that's your vinyl. Mm. You know, have them but um a cut vinyl actually has to cut the the notes and the you know the, the music into it so um so it's more expensive and then you have to also do a minimum quantity um so it's a, it's a little bit of a you know startup <laughs> yeah but the great thing is that vinyl's coming back and people like that more than cds we try to make our cds um you know a piece of art so that people have them and that they can um you know, like the people who really like to collect CDs can, can look at them and they can take out the, the lyric sheet and look at all of the, the, you know, the collage we put together and all the lyrics. Uh, there's a couple of typos in there. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, for the, the record, it's going to be a little bit more simple, but it still has, you know, the same, the same uh, vibe to it. Yeah, and I think that's something that's kind of lost a lot is is the whole album art and and certainly like the packaging because because that I mean it's like you talk about staring at the stereo and when you know while the music is playing I mean the album art is so important and and the packaging yeah yeah and that's that's one reason that it was it's nice to have Fred around. <laughs> Is because if you need something done digitally, you can do it really quickly. It's really cool. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, and that's fantastic. So, I mean, really, what's what's kind of what's next? I mean, you got the shows, you're, you're working on new music. So, so where do you hope to be, like in the next year? Um, in the next year, we'll probably release another record. Uh, we're 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 working on um, a couple things right now, and then. Uh, we'll be going back to Peru at the end of the year, um, just for a couple of days. So if we start um, tracking down there, that would be great. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but definitely by next year, we'll have another record and touring still. So just keep this machine rolling, really. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because we've seen a lot of bands and, and it's just like they, 
they keep doing singles to try to keep their name out there, but but they don't necessarily do albums. And and so you think that continuing to do albums is a is a really good and viable way of continuing to get the name out there for the band. I think so. I feel like maybe, and I could totally be wrong, but I feel like maybe they do, people do singles so that they can just do like a whole PR cycle, you know, and it's like, okay, we push the single. But what about um, more music for them to go, oh, I like this, maybe they have better music. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of how we're doing it, where we're pushing a different single each, you know, you know, order or something, because uh, we're still getting PR for the band, right? We're still able to push our brand out there but we're pushing a new song on the radio or we're pushing a new podcast or whatnot so I, I feel like it's 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 still a pretty good uh business plan oh absolutely i mean you know and and personally i love hearing albums like i love sitting down i love going through the entire album and and top to bottom and that's you know so much better than to me than just just like oh it's a single okay yeah yeah i mean in our record i mean we we wrote about different things, you know, but we tried to put it, you know, the whole experience and order of title, you know, tracks. So it's kind of cool. And when you look at the record or the CD, um, the, the CD itself has the, um, the, the cover with the, with the, uh, the spaceship. So we take the CD off, the spaceship's gone. You know, so it's like these little cool things. And it's really fun to, to be able to, create. it's a piece of art, you know. We're mm-hmm. it, so. It's nice to be able to create that and, and then be like, hey, do you like my art? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, and people can see that on the website because I'm looking at it right now and it look and it does. It looks wonderful. But yeah, Holly, it's been great to talk to you. So please um, tell everybody where this wonderful website and how they can keep up with you and, uh, and how they can listen to your wonderful album. Yeah, it's um, www.edgarfan.com. And then any of our um, social medias is at edgroup.com. Awesome. And everything everywhere. Well, I do urge that everybody goes out and listen to the album. Uh, you know, it's it's worthwhile. I mean, you've got great musicianship, uh, you know, really good songs. So, so absolutely, people should listen. Holly, thank you so much for being on the show. We do appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you.
has spoken Nothing stands still Life goes on No matter how you feel I'd like to tell you that you're sick But you're here, none of it Stand down the barrel for gun How long you gonna run, son? I don't care for much of what you do I've already learned my lessons from you Time to pack your evil ways And send them down to the river for days 